Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Diversify Her. I'm your host, Raven Hayward, and today I'm honored to have Ms. Tammy Daly Blackman. Ms. Tammy is a graduate of Oberlin College and Harvard University. She's an author, entrepreneur, leadership expert, nonprofit executive, and professor. She is the CEO of Tammy Daly Blackman Group, LLC, a certified national supplier development council minority business enterprise, small business administration, woman-owned small business, and women's business enterprise network council, woman-owned company, as well as a graduate of the C200 Champion and Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Raven. Of course. I'm so honored to have you on the show today. And I'd love for you to just start off by telling me about yourself and your journey as to how you got to where you are today. Sure. Thank you. So I am based now in Baltimore, Maryland for the last five years, but I spent almost 13 years uh, in the Boston, Cambridge area, but I've lived all over the country. And actually, when I started this company almost 20 years ago, I started it in Berkeley, California, and then moved it to uh, Cambridge and uh, and then here to Baltimore. Uh, I'm originally from North Carolina, as I know that you are, and I was uh, born in Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, and uh, but, but spent my growing up between North Carolina and, and New Jersey uh, before I headed off to Oberlin College as a as an undergraduate student. Uh, how I got to do this work was really um, it was happenstance in that I I had an idea of entrepreneurship and and thought that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but thought it would probably come much further uh, down the road. Um, you know, your generation Gen Z now has so many opportunities in front of them at such an early age. But uh, in when when I was growing up, it felt like that that was something you had to wait and for a really long time. Uh, and so it actually didn't happen for me until much later. Um, but before then, I was able to be CEO of two nationally affiliated nonprofits and worked in uh, secondary schools and higher education, and was really able to get a lot of the skills that I needed to help me think through what I actually would most enjoy uh, doing in, in entrepreneurship. And uh, so really excited that I got that chance to do it. Really excited that so many people get to think about entrepreneurship earlier on than I did, uh, but but excited as to the path that I took and, and uh, now been in business for almost 20 years. Wow, that's amazing. So when you began your career, what's one thing that you wish you had known? I wish I had known that you don't necessarily have to know all of the pieces of everything that you're going to do. I thought it was very much about a set plan. And I'm glad that I actually uh, let that go fairly early on. So an example of that is that, again, when I was coming into the workforce, that people were, felt like that you had to stay into the same career, the same job for a really long time. And, and I was actually an anomaly, a bit of an anomaly in that I moved around to different jobs, different states. I really wanted the opportunity to live internationally. That didn't work out. So I said, well, I'll live, uh, I'll you know, go around the country domestically to lots of different places. And so I uh, had that opportunity to to do that and to live around the country and, and just learn so much from people. So I would really say that if it was anything to, you know, sort of pass the lesson on, it would be, you certainly don't have to be rigid about any of this, about your career or about, uh, about the kind of work you might choose to do, about the places you might choose to live. There are wonderful opportunities that come in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that at least in my generation, I think we've been getting a lot of advice and we're sort of prepared, I guess, for things not to necessarily go our way and always having backup plans and sort of just 
going with the flow and taking opportunities as they come. But, you know, as we do take on that journey, sometimes we will have failures. So along your journey, have you had a moment that you've considered a failure? And what did you learn from that? And how did you pick yourself up and continue to go from there? Oh, sure. I think that we all have to be prepared for that. As you've said, that it is just a necessary part of life that and I don't actually would say to to people to really don't think of it as about failure, but think of it as an opportunity to continue to grow, to ask questions, to try it a different way, to meet new people. And I'm not sugarcoating it. Failure is hard uh, when you don't get to do things the way you thought you were going to get them to do to do them or they don't come together the way you thought they would come together. Uh, it can feel hard. It can feel overwhelming. And for some people, it can really stop them in their tracks initially. So I certainly don't want to be dismissive of it in any way. Uh, but really thinking about it as an opportunity, again, learn new things, try uh, try it a different way, meet new people. Uh, and that's just really a wonderful opportunity that people have. And there's so much at our fingertips that we can research in terms of looking at different opportunities or looking at how other people have gone through things and asking ourselves questions about how to make it different or how to be better prepared for it. So I would just say it's part of the journey, go for it, enjoy it, learn something and take the learning with you to the next step. Mm -hmm. I think that's great advice. Thank you for that. So you, I want to go back to entrepreneurship. So you're talking about um, your entrepreneurship journey and sometimes there's a lot of myths that may come with entrepreneurship or maybe some things that people don't realize that come with it. So do you have any myths that you'd like to debunk or something that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to entrepreneurship? Yeah, you know what, you've hit on something really important. It's exactly why I started the third company just in the last year, which is Cooper and Lowe. And this company is dedicated to women entrepreneurs or those who'd like to be thought leaders, because I also want to make this distinction. Everyone doesn't have to be an entrepreneur, but they can bring great skills. They can bring great opportunities and and, and they can uh, want to open those up to others. And so some people, it'll be about thought leadership and they're trying to figure out how do they share that information with others. And so in this company, it really is opening that door, but it also is trying to be very responsive to all the questions I get from women of all different backgrounds who say, look, I, I want to start a business, but I'm not quite sure. I don't feel confident. What if I make this mistake? How do I figure out how to write a contract? How do I figure out how to hire people? How do I figure out if this opportunity is a good one for me and for my burgeoning company? And so at Cooper and Law, we incubate companies and we actually do training just for women who are saying, I want to talk to a woman who actually has had to do it. A woman who built a company on her own, a very successful company. And I want the truth and I want some, some equipment, some tools, some systems, because there is so much on the internet, but a lot of times it's a lot to vet on by yourself. And so I just really encourage people to think about that entrepreneurship is just like we talked about uh, other life choices. It's not a fixed entity and you don't have to do it one way. Uh, you certainly don't have to do it all at once. And some people choose not to do entrepreneurship and, you know, for the foreseeable future, they might try it, learn some interesting things, take those lessons with them and decide not to do it. Or some decide not to be entrepreneurs at all and opt to become a thought leader in some way to share something that they're, they've been doing that they've learned, but they don't have to build a whole company around it. So there are a lot of different options for this. Mm, okay. Well, that's good to know. And thank you. And just hearing you talk, you know, you've been a CEO and you've owned these different companies and started your own. How are you able to do those things? And what would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned from all the different roles that you've had? 
I would say that the consistent thing I've learned through all of them, and it sounds a bit cliche-ish, but it, it truly is true, is that there, there is no way around change, that it's just happening and you have to really embrace that change is going to be a part of it. So again, you can have a great idea, but need to change it because of the marketplace or trends or because of your target audience. Um, you can have a great job and your your job description says you're going to do these three things, but you have to add two other things because you know, we've had a global pandemic or because we work differently or because now you're being asked because you've, they've realized you've got a great skill set. You are being asked to now bring that new skill set to the workforce in a way that you've never thought of. You just did it and now people have discovered it. So this idea of change is really important, but not being afraid of it. And again, I don't mean in any way to be dismissive because change is really hard for some people and it can feel very overwhelming, uh, but it's just a natural part of our experience and, and it's not going anywhere. So that was the thing that I'm glad that I learned early on and I figured out how to embrace and and have been highly adaptable. So I've lived in, you know, moved 16 different times for my career. And for some people, they just, I've had friends say, oh my gosh, I could never move that many times and set up my household and figure out what, you know, how to take care of my, my life, my family, my child, all of these things. And I just respond to them and have been adaptable because change is just part of it. So that's the biggest thing I would say that I've learned and 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 would share. There are plenty of others, but that that has truly been a, a core um, a core opportunity for me to embrace change. Mm-hmm. And with change as well as adversity, and I really want to get your perspective as a black woman that's in corporate America and you're doing such amazing things. Have you faced any hardships, or do you feel that maybe you've been discriminized in any way with the fact that you are a Black woman? So I would say that um, there are lots of ways in which people are, are, you know, sort of held apart from opportunities. Opportunities and it. Some of it is about race and ethnicity. Some of it is gender. Some of it could be religion. Some could be uh, where you live geographically, which school you attended. It could be any number of things. And really, just trying to find your people so that you can find opportunities, uh, ways to be involved, ways to learn, and and ways not to be shut out of things. I'll give you a great example. Uh, when I was starting, I started my company in Berkeley, California, but soon thereafter moved it to Cambridge, Boston, which I mentioned. And so I was only in California for a few years with my new company. And when I got to Cambridge and uh, Boston, a lot of these uh, these incubators were really taking off and and particularly those that were going to put some, give you some seed money and those that would give you a chance to to really to be with other other business owners, startups, and and would give you an opportunity to be mentored. And I tried out for many of those. I applied for multiple opportunities, but it wasn't, you know, some of it, I had someone pull me aside, one of the judges for one of these, and he was really open and honest. He said to me, he said, I'm going to say to you as a white man, I'm going to say this to you that you don't fit the part. And what he meant by that is I didn't fit the part in a lot of ways. It wasn't just, I didn't fit the part because I was an African-American woman. I also didn't fit the part because I wasn't in my twenties. I also didn't fit the part because I was graduating. I'd already graduated from college. As you said, I graduated from Oberlin and Harvard, but I wasn't currently in college at that moment. I didn't fit the part because I hadn't actually, uh, I wasn't coming out of a big uh, consulting firm, one of the corporate consulting firms. So there were a whole host of things that boxes I, I didn't check off. 
And what I realized in that moment is that I said, look, I'm going to have a business and I am going to actually do this, but I'm going to have to figure out a very different way. And it's probably going to take me longer. Uh, and it's going to probably in some ways create greater hardship. And it did. I didn't have capital. I don't, I didn't come from uh, family wealth or affluence. I, I couldn't tap a family friends or, uh, for, for loans. I, I had to create the business I wanted and create the opportunities. Uh, my daughter was very ill. My husband was very ill at the time when I started this business and I lived far away from my family. So there are all these things that could have actually held me back. And I just said, I'm just going to have to stop and to to pull this apart and think about this a little bit differently uh, so that I can move forward. So it took me a little bit longer to actually to build the business than it may have for someone else and to hit some pretty milestones. It took me a lot longer than it may for someone else. Uh, but I just had to figure out what was going to be my story, my business, and how I was going to do it. Uh, and I decided that that gentleman, I appreciated his honesty and that I didn't check off those boxes, but there's nothing I could do about that. I, there was, you know, I wasn't going to just be coming out of college. I wasn't younger. I wasn't, um, I'm not a non-African-American woman. It, you know, all these things, I couldn't change any of those things, nor did I want to. So I just had to figure out how to do it differently. And I just really put my head down and just tried to work on figuring that out and building a different kind of business that was going to make it so that I would be successful in, in the way in which I wanted to be successful. Uh, but it, it certainly took longer and I certainly can't uh, dismiss that. And I can't, I have to admit that it took longer, but I'm here and I do the best that I can. But but uh, yes, hardships, there were definitely some. I think that's amazing just with your persistence and you having enough faith and believing in yourself and with how successful that you've been. And I'm curious to know what was the story that you created for yourself and how are you able to be successful to build up your business? So what I had to say to myself is there's no one way to do anything. So not just being an entrepreneur, but there's no one way. And that was hard when you asked that question about, you know, things that, uh, what would I say? And I, I said about change. And that was definitely me having to embrace change because everything in front of me said that a startup looks a certain way. Those that are getting all the write-ups, those that look, you know, famous and are being mentioned. And I just realized those probably were never going to be my story. But what I said is, okay, I'm living here in Boston, Cambridge. I lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts, but worked in and around that area, which, which includes Boston. They're all close together there. And I've said to others who've asked me this, I've told them this story that, that again, at the time, my daughter and my husband were very ill and I couldn't be far from home needing to be there with them. And so I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to build a business that allows me to be right here and do my work between Cambridge, Boston and surrounding communities. I'm not going to be able to travel off to other cities. And what I did was took a deep dive into my local community and figured out how I could be of a resource. So this is where doors opened up for me to become a professor. And so I got a chance to uh, to be a senior fellow at the Boston uh, University School of Management. I got a chance to teach nonprofit management at Cambridge College in Cambridge. I got a chance to uh, teach uh, nonprofit management uh, and, um, and, and entrepreneurship at Leslie College, which is now Leslie University. And these were really important stepping stones. They were ways to do something that I really loved, which was teaching and being with young adults and really thinking through what were going to be the skill sets they needed. It gave me an opportunity to create the first business plan for what became the second company, Looking Forward Lab, which focuses on Gen Z. Had I been in another place, another that gave me an opportunity to travel all over the country and doing other things, I may have never really drilled down on these these things like creating 
looking forward lab. It may have just gotten past me, but because I had to stay put and I really had to use my resources at hand, uh, it made for me to be patient. It really helped me to think through what were other possibilities or other business niches that were going to be needed. And it gave me a chance to really get to know amazing colleagues in Cambridge and Boston and the surrounding area and to be with those people for almost 15 years uh, in a really uh, important way in which I was a significant part of the community. Ultimately, it led me to becoming uh, for nine years a board member of an organization I hold dear to my heart, which is uh, what's called TSNE, and it's a capacity building organization that provides all kinds of expertise to nonprofits in and around Boston and around the country. And I served for six years as the board president. It then led me to an opportunity to become uh, an advisory board member for the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. So had I been a consultant who simply lived in Cambridge and Boston, and I just was flying off to do other things, I may have never gotten to know my community or to been able to really contribute deeply to my community and the way I did. So that, uh, you know, that adage of, you know, turning lemons into lemonade is is what I did. Um, and I was sad initially. I was sad that I wasn't building this giant company the way I thought I should be building it or what the images around me said it should look like. And then I just said, look, you're going to have to do this a little bit differently. So that's the narrative I created for myself was that I was going to have to respond to my circumstances uh, and I was going to have to build a different kind of business. Mm, I think that's beautiful. And especially just with my time in high school or even just now, I know I talk a lot about servant leadership and always mm -hmm. wanting to find a way that I can give back to my community and as I'm coming up, bring others along with me. So the fact that you mentioned your community and seeing the need, I think that that's amazing. And that's something that I aim to do. And one of my goals that I'm able to build something that's attainable for others as mm -hmm. well and just able to give back. And so as we come to the end of this episode, a signature question that I have on my podcast is what's one piece of advice that you would give Gen Z listeners to go out and diversify themselves? Mm, I love that question. And thank you again for the opportunity to be with you. I would say to Gen Z to do two things. One is to really take seriously their own uh, design of their next steps in their lives, career, personal, all of it, but really thinking about their careers and not just the idea of generally, I want to go off and do this or that, but really thinking carefully through the design and giving themselves the opportunity to build the skill sets that will allow them to do their best work. So that's one piece of it. And that means getting to know people that you work with, even if you work remotely. That means taking advice from those who might be a bit older, uh, but certainly have seen some things and can be of, of assistance, even though they may know less than a Gen Z or around technology or some of the issues that Gen Zers have been wonderful uh, at uh, making front and center. And so just really a balance of a balance, creating the balance for their lives professionally and personally, and really designing the life they want. And then also seeking out those who can be really helpful uh, and don't uh, in any way disregard all of the, the people who might want to help you, uh, those who are same age, younger, and those who are older, uh, that everyone brings something amazing to the table, including Gen Z. Well, thank you so much. You offered so much great advice, a bunch of golden nuggets. If anyone would like to get in contact with you, where can they reach you? Sure. They can go to the website. It's TammyDB.com. So Tammy, and then the letter D as in David, the letter B as in boy.com. Uh, and my company is Tammy Dally Blackman Group. 
LLC. And under that, uh, it lives three companies. And there's TDB Group Strategic Advisory. There's Looking Forward Lab, which does the Gen Z work. And then there's also Cooper and Lowe, which does the women's entrepreneurship work. Perfect. And I'll have that listed um, in the description below. Thank you again so much for coming on. It was lovely having this conversation with you. Everyone, be sure to go connect with Miss Tammy. And thank you for listening. I'll catch you next time on Diversify Her.